Welcome to Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. One day, a Geordie and a Canadian walk into a bar and decide to start a podcast about relationships and what a topic that is. No subjects are off limits. Get in touch today with us at geordielass.com or email info at geordielass.com and let us know what you think and what we should talk about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. Hello. Broadcasting from this time in the year where we don't know where we are. I think, yeah, something's just kind of clicked at the weekend that it's going to be Christmas soon. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, shit, I should probably do something about that. Right. Yes. Lots of holiday planning. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. (gasps) So I do need to get myself into gear. Mm -hmm. I don't quite think I'm there yet, but... There needs to be some sort of rocket somewhere. (laughs) Up your ass somewhere. (laughs) Uh, I feel like this is kind of the turning point this week where everybody's suddenly kind of, you know, realisation hits and you start to see a lot more decorations popping up. And yeah, it's just kind of on and ready. Yeah, I think end of November, there's like the early people with their decorations and they're like, you know, what are you doing being so early? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh crap, it's time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's time. That realization Everybody's on it. Yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. 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 So yeah, yeah, kind of, I feel like I need to get a bit more organized and I'm not really. That's right. Yes. I think that was that your cat agreeing in the background? Yes. My cat's agreeing. (laughs) That's my new adopted cat. <laughs> She's definitely agreeing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ah, so has it been an okay week? Um, yeah, I think so. It seems to go by really quick. What I can't actually believe is that we're nearly kind of mid to, you know, tipping into the end of December. Like that's a year gone. Like, yeah. I'm sure it was just January five minutes ago. I know. We're having conversations about the year ahead. We were, well, yeah, and... I remember when we were um, end of 2020, like the worst year ever, Mm. or so we thought. And uh, I think we didn't know that a little bit of that could spill into 2021. I'd say that like 2021 has been pretty hairy. Yeah. I think, yeah, just it's kind of like the thing that just never goes away, isn't it? it, It's just us. Now it's just a game of whack-a-mole. Yeah. The the gift that keeps on giving in the wrong way. It Like... (laughs) Yeah, like herpes or something like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It yeah. is something a delightful like that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I think, yeah, we're crossing almost two years of this pandemic situation. Mm. And it's just, it's wild sometimes. I'm with patients sometimes or clients, mostly patients actually sort of, and they have, maybe they haven't been to the clinic for, since, you know, December 2019. And to, yeah. it's like this time capsule of, yeah. gosh, you know, we were such different people back then. Yeah. In November 2019. Yeah, we certainly were. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, I would love a bit of relationship news if we could wander over to the correspondence desk. Oh, we most certainly can. Let uh, me good. get my news ready. Ah, uh, good. So I was reading an interesting article about emotional generosity. Ah, okay. So I was like, okay, let me, let me take a little closer look at that. What does uh-huh. it mean? Yeah. So emotional generosity is described in this article as the art of not taking things too personally. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm. So it's all about proactively trying to find compassion for others and in certain situations or certain times 
when actually you may be more likely to be triggered by something or take on something mm. and kind of worry about it. So in the article, it talks a bit about like, uh, you know, trying to get a date in with a friend to catch up for coffee and you're going backwards and forwards. And this, this kind of you, you might say something like it's been such a long time since we caught up. I'm really missing you. Would love to see you. Mm. And they may come back with something that's slightly more of a curt response. Mm. And it's about not then taking that personally and about, you know, taking a bit of a pause and thinking to yourself, what else might be going on? Oh. So it talks yeah. as well in the article a bit. Another example was if your boss is micromanaging you mm. rather than thinking this is all about me. I'm not good enough at my job. Therefore, they've got to step in. My boss thinks I'm stupid. Yeah. What what else could be going on? Right. So in the article, the example is maybe my boss is just he's getting some pressure from further up. Therefore, uh. that pressure is flowing down or maybe he's just really passionate about doing a really good job and therefore is stepping in because he wants to make sure that things are delivered in a certain way right and it's not necessarily about them not believing in your ability it's about trying to provide um help and support and that's why they're stepping in right so and it's and it's interesting when it comes to relationships so one of the things that highlights in the article which kind of got me thinking as well is um it starts off talking about um how the how the writer would often deal with the situation with their children. Mm. So say if your toddler has a bit of a tantrum, uh, which they are <laughs> prone <bit>. to doing. <laughs> Mostly I remember mine used to do it in the middle of the supermarket. Highly embarrassing. Um, <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> but, you know, they throw a bit of a tantrum and generally you respond in quite a compassionate way because they're only two or three and they're little and they haven't quite got to grips with how to deal with emotions or tiredness or hunger and mm. all of those lovely mm. joyful things <laughs> yeah but you'll tend to respond in quite a compassionate way which is like oh no you know if are you feeling a bit tired did you not get enough rest last night are you still hungry are you thirsty like let's get you home let's get um mm. snack so you'll tend to respond in a way that's quite compassionate however when your partner does something <laughs> often the response mm. is um, is is less compassionate isn't it mm. so you tend to then talk about how they've done something wrong that they shouldn't have done or mm. how you're always the receiver of this type of behavior mm -hmm. and or you'll again kind of internalize it and start to blame yourself or um, take ownership for mm. those emotions that are going on mm -hmm. so rather than taking on other people's emotions it's about stopping pausing and just thinking what else could be happening mm. in this situation because very often it's nothing to do with us but because we personalize it and mm. we take it on board we then absorb all of that emotion and that um that totally. energy like it starts to drain your own energy rather than kind of just saying do you yeah. know what they're having a bad moment <laughs> it's got nothing to do with me <laughs> oh my god I need some of this for sure yeah yeah so it says right at the end so it says at the end of this article it says you don't have to make every challenge or head scratching encounter about you it's actually an act of self-care to free your mind from absorbing the emotional baggage of something you don't have enough time to decode. Ah, oh, gosh, yes. So just kind of step back from it. I don't know enough about the situation. Therefore, I'm not going to give it the energy. Mm. I, You know what I do? Like that's so when somebody's like when my partner is having issues with like confidence or self-esteem or it's like yeah. deeply personal stuff. Their mm. behavior actually makes me react because 
it makes me think that I've done something wrong or that yeah. when I see somebody else's um, behavior, especially rooted in low self-esteem, it, oh, mm. that just gets me triggered because I think I've done something wrong. Yeah. Well, it's like that thing, isn't it? Like, you know, going back to the article there, when you get a text message, you can take it in, you know, 300 different ways, right? Yeah. But it's the same way in, you know, face-to-face communication. Somebody can yeah. say something and you can interpret all kinds of manner of things out of that situation. Yeah. The reality is most of the time it's got nothing to do with us. Yes, true. <laughs> but it's we're so quite true. willing to just accept that and take it on board and yeah. absorb it. And I think particularly at this time of year, you know, we're talking about going into the holiday season. There's a lot of stuff to get done. We're approaching the end of the year. So there's often more challenges and work situations as yeah, well, or yeah. things that you thought, oh God, I've got forever to do that. And now suddenly I haven't. Yeah. And it kind of creates this unnecessary pressure, doesn't it? And then we're all equally as great at taking that on board. So yes, let's just not. Yeah. <laughs> New Year's resolution, because it's almost that time. Yeah. Yeah. So emotional generosity, think about what else could be happening. Nice. Have some compassion for others. Yeah. And then with everything, like, because we catastrophize, and I've been actually working through with this, um, with a client who's kind of, you know, come up with mm-hmm. a realization that a lot of their behavior is actually uh, due to catastrophizing and that those anxiety yes. spirals. Yeah. So I think that's one of the key components is like that emotional generosity, which is part of the awareness. Yeah. And a lot of the acceptance. That yeah. Yeah. And so when we're catastrophizing, we're just kind of, we're just on that story train, aren't we? And we th- yeah. we're thinking the worst. We're assuming that something terrible is going to happen or yeah. has happened. Yeah. And we blow lots of things out of proportion. Yeah. And it does really, really suck your energy, doesn't it? Yes. Oh, gosh. Mm. Yeah. Totally guilty of it, though. I mean, <laughs> totally guilty of it. But it is true. Like, you know, I have seen when a client decides, like, enough is enough, it's usually because they're like, I don't want to keep hurting myself and taking all this energy like I'm sick of it I'm exhausted and enough is enough so that little anger you know it's funny that little Mm -hmm. anger jet pocket or jet rocket that that often like spurs folks on where the pain of not doing something is now greater than the pain of doing something yeah yeah Mm -hmm. it's always a good catalyst yeah yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) cool so yeah Hopefully that's timely bit of uh, relationship news there to help you through the festive period. Yes. With whatever might come your way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah. Underneath those Instagram fall and winter pictures. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Would you like a hot topic? Oh, let's go. Let's get out. Can you love two people at the same time? So I'm assuming it's not like loving your mom and your sister at the same time. I'm assuming well, yeah, they're yeah, saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. And I had the same sort of thought. Uh, Mine was about uh, about the kids, though. So I was oh, like, well, I've got two kids. Oh. Definitely love them. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got a partner. Definitely love him. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah. And then you have like relationships with friends and like, uh-huh. you know, as you say, your kind of mum, your dad, uh, aunties, uncles, like whatever. You've got kind of all of those family relationships. But I'm guessing, no, I'm guessing it means kind of like more of the intimate side of relationships. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay, well, this is juicy. Yes. So what do you think? Well, it's a bit, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I really started to think about this before we came on air to record. 
And I was thinking about, can you, is it really possible to love two people at the same time? Mm. And and it made me think about my ex-husband. Mm. So I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm like in love with him, not the same way that I'm in love with my partner. Mm. But there's definitely a kind of, there's a fondness there. Mm. And I wouldn't ever want to see anything happen to him because mm. he is the father of my children. And my children are, you know, teenage, young adults. Mm. So we've been kind of together for a long time, even though we're not together. Mm. So it's a bit... So when I think about it in that concept, then I would say yes. But mm. could I love somebody enough to want to spend the rest of their life with them? Mm-hmm. And could that be more than one person? Mm. I think I would struggle with that. Mm-hmm. And I think I'd yeah. struggle if they loved some, if they said they loved somebody <laughs> in that way. I would. Well, I that think struggle's I would, real. <laughs> yeah, I think I would struggle yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think for people, so I'm thinking about, you know, could I love more than one person? Could I love two people at once? So either I'm having an affair or maybe I Mm. have a polyamorous relationship where there's several folks in my life and can I love them uh, more than one person? I think the answer is yes, but I think that it like if you open the definition to say like, what is love? Does love mean you want to spend the rest of your life with them or are there, I mean, I guess there are different flavors of love, but yeah. It's um, and and yeah. so I guess that's that's the key thing, though, isn't it? Right. Yeah. So if we're going to define love in the context of this discussion, then I would say if you truly love somebody, and I'm t- and I am talking purely about an intimate partner, not about kind of the kids or whatever. Um, even though I probably still want to spend the rest of my life with them too. Mm-hmm. Um, but for <laughs> yeah. me, it would be about all of those things that signify that it's a significant relationship. So things like being fully committed to a future together, mm. um, being there to support each other in the tough times as well as being there to celebrate all the happiness. Mm-hmm. It's about um, wanting to do nice things for your partner mm. and enjoying the time that you spend together whether that's on a day-to-day basis or intimate time together, mm. you know, a whole spectrum of, of activities that you enjoy doing. So it's that whole kind of connectedness for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I, so in, in, that, in that concept, in that view, I would say there's only one place for my partner in that. I mean, it is true. There's only 24 hours in a day. Like that's a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of There's energy. a lot of stuff there, right? There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, isn't that funny? Oh my gosh. I'm so, yeah, I think I, I'm more confused than I thought I would be, which is great. Cause, <laughs> cause I, I think what I, I didn't, I thought it was sort of a one layered hot topic and it actually has a lot of stuff. So I think about, I don't have kids, so I have uh, animals, which I love them equally. And it's amazing. Yes. Every single one of them. But the thing is they're not children. So, so I can't, I don't have a basis of comparison, but what I hear from parents is that you could have three kids and you have an equal measure of infinite love. It's almost like it's like defying yeah. the laws of like Newton's laws of like energy shall not be created nor destroyed. It seems to be an infinite well of love for every child, but it's always different. How can it be equal yeah. and different? But it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. And I'd absolutely say it that way. I remember before my son was born, my daughter's firstborn before um he arrived thinking how is it ever going to be possible to love two children as much as I love this single human being that I've Mm. got already whilst I'm still growing this other human being inside of my belly (laughs) um but then they come out and you're right it is just a massive 
well of love that is just always there and no matter what they do to you as well which is just a weird concept in life (laughs) yes yes because it doesn't matter kind of what happens it is almost this it it is true unconditional love Mm -hmm. yeah so I guess in that in that measure like can we have that for multiple intimate partners Mm. I think by definition no because I'm thinking of my cat and my dog and my other two cats in New York. And I think, um, they, I care for them. I like, they depend on me. I care for them. And so that, that equation is there. And I have that, that infinite love for these little things that I'm sort of, you know, that kind of tromp cat litter all over my house, but I still love them. (laughs) But, um, but I think an intimate partner is a really different thing. And uh, yeah, the question is, can you love, I guess the question is like, can you love somebody like a life partner and then have, somebody who you love for their intellect or somebody who, you know, you, I don't know, sit around and on Sunday naked afternoons talking about literature and having, I don't know, brie cheese or something like that. And when, is that a different kind of love? Did you say you're sitting around naked? Yes. Talking about literature and enjoying cheese? Yes. With somebody who's not your partner? Yes. You know, yeah. I'm just thinking of a typical affair, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Doing something. But if you're having like an affair, do you truly, really love the the person that you're that you're with but ha- not having an affair with? <laughs> I think this is a great question because I think a lot of people get this emotional entanglement. So they're sexting yeah. and they're like, oh, I, I miss you so much. I wish I could be with you. Oh, my partner's such a drag, whatever. You know, I, I, and I think that's where the, pl- the plot is lost in an affair because it becomes this emotional entanglement. So the question really is, do you love them or... Is it? But, yeah. You Do you know? love either either of them? So let's say you've oh. got your partner A. Let's call them, mm-hmm. and your um, you know, your, a more, yes, so, a fair person. Yeah. So that's B, right? Yeah. Can you really love A and B? Do Do you really love either of them? Would be my question. I think that a lot of people think they do and that's why they are so eternally confused. I've been in this situation. Yeah. I've had yeah. the A and the B and and yeah. you know and then I get my knickers in a tizzy about like oh you know this person's so great and then they waffle back and forth in my level of greatness and they sort of mm. switch top spots all the time. And then I'm like oh I just don't know what to choose and oh it's bullshit. What was really <laughs> happening was that I really loved A and B sort of came along offering something that A didn't have. So I yeah. kind of got very enamored with that for a while. But I realized that it was nowhere near. It was nothing near what I had with A. But yeah. man, did I conflate those two. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that happens in that situation is that we, we're not really thinking about the reality of the situation. So that story train is, at full, is in full flight, isn't it? It's... Mm-hmm. Um, and we're imagining this I've been there before where you've kind of um, it's like when you start going out with somebody and you imagine what your life will be like together Mm. and it's nothing like the reality and and then you kind of you know you split up and things (laughs) things or things go south and you realize then when you look back how different reality was to the image that was in your mind Mm. and so I think that's some of the challenges around those types of situations Mm -hmm. And I'm always trying to think about things from a different point of view as well. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know, maybe it is possible to love two people at the same time. I think it, it, I think it is. I think it depends on how you love and how much time your love takes. Yeah. I think there's some people who are like, my love takes about three hours a day. So I definitely have time for six hours a day of love. 
Yeah, I think a lot of folks for whom love is all consuming or, you know, they show love in sort of encompassing ways, they might be like, I don't simply don't have time for to love somebody. I think to love somebody actively, there's maybe only 24 hours in a day to Mm. feel love, though, and to maybe not act on it, I think is another thing or not to have to feed the love, but to just feel it. I think you could probably have various people that you love, but maybe they don't have as close a role in your life and then what is love really gosh it just gets to that question (laughs) (laughs) i think it's like so when i think about my friends i know that i love my friends but Mm -hmm. i don't love them the same way that i love my partner Mm -hmm. and there's something there's something else there's like a different type of connection Mm -hmm. because you share so in my mind you, you share and you should share kind of all of you so Mm -hmm. and that's what that's what that intimate love is Mm -hmm. and you accept each other in an unconditional way so the good and the bad and you maybe challenge some situations (laughs) and some thinking but you know you are you're supporting each other and you're growing together and you you want to you want to truly understand that person so that you can be the best person you can be with them and vice versa and And I don't know that I could do, I could not do that with two people. Right. Not even just energy wise. I mean, energy wise, I would be knackered. Yeah. yeah. But I also, yeah. I just don't know how you could be that fully committed to, to yeah. more than one person. But I, yeah. and I recognize that's yeah. my, yeah. that's my view. That's not the view of everybody in the world. And I wouldn't judge anybody else if they choose to live a different life. And I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated yeah. by other um, ways of living and how and how it truly works. Mm-hmm. But often you do get people, don't you, that um, they may start off in that situation, mm-hmm. but then realize after a number of years that it's maybe not for them. Yeah, I think that I think that for folks who are polyamorous, I think that this this really is something that they do not only can they do but they actually enjoy and I think that they Mm. enjoy having people in their life that they love in different ways and they have different connections with and brings different aspects out in them and I think that some people may try on that lifestyle and realize actually no I'm a I'm a monogamous person um so I think I think there yeah this is this is a beautiful thing where I think there are totally different people in the world and I think I've heard the earnestness with which somebody describes having multiple lovers and multiple people in their life that they love and they'll sort of switch up nights in terms of who they um you know who they spend time with and so forth they speak of that love with the same contentment that I might speak of with my love for one person Mm. so I think yeah multiples and singles like I I really it does feel like you know, you take one menu item at McDonald's, you take the other menu item and some people will gravitate towards this dipping sauce and some will gravitate towards the other. So I think it truly exists where there's real monogamy and real polyamory in terms of really like the ability to not just shag other people, but actually to be in love with other people. Mm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think I still can't get past the point that it's not for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah. I've, what what I was thinking about there, actually, when you were talking as well, is there's, there are some people that enter into quite um, lengthy affairs, don't they, where it's kind of like 20, you know, they have a mis- the same mistress for 20 odd years. Right. And obviously that's then, and they must have some sort of love or admiration or feelings yeah. some sort of connection to enter into something that long yeah. I guess the challenge in that situation is where the 
wife or the partner or the husband hasn't necessarily signed up to that. Yeah. Um, mm. So it's not, you know, it's not transparent. It's not equal. It's not, um, right. not every party's entering in, into it of their own free will. Right. I guess my question is like, and for these lengthy affairs or any affairs in general, just because I've been there. So I sort of, the, the dynamic, you know, if somebody had been like, okay, your spouse knows about this. It's out in the open. So would you still have that affair? I can assure you that I probably would not have had that affair because part mm. of the, the excitement was the deviousness of it yeah. and the hidden part of it. And that fed, that fueled the excitement. The secre- I, yeah, the secrecy yeah. and the yeah, secrecy anticipation, was great. excitement. Yeah. 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 If, if we were in a polyamorous relationship and I had two partners, I doubt very much that that person B would have stuck around. It was all about the illicit and the, you know, the snuck moments and the, you know, mm. secret meetings. And it was just, it was a flavor unto its own. So I'm just, just saying, having had an affair myself, uh, I would, um, you know, just challenge yourself to say, like, if everybody knew about this and it was like, it, and it was just sort of as commonplace as going to the store for some milk, would, would mm. you be having, is it fueling a love or is it fueling the, an excitement that you want? Yeah. And and that lends itself to another question, though, which is what would you need to be present in your existing relationship to not yeah. want to or need to have an affair in the first place? Yeah, yeah. Because it's generally, as you say, you're looking for something else. You're looking for something to fulfill a need that yeah. isn't being met. Yeah, it's so true. Mm. And listen, and the thing is, is that if you... Affairs are very spicy things and some people like that flavor and certainly for that time in your life, like I will, I, I don't regret what I, I don't regret the affair because I learned and I, I had that experience and I realized like, I realized what it was and I realized, I don't think I'm, I, I would far sooner choose to have a polyamorous relationship where everybody's on board and there's an ethic to it as opposed to hiding. Cause mm. like the hiding, it's just so freaking exhausting. Like I just, oh my yeah. God, like the, you know, oh my God, is my, is my partner A going to find my phone and see that message yeah. alert come up or like at three in the morning of the, are you up? I'm missing you. All that crap. Like, oh my yeah. God, just enough. <laughs> enough. <laughs> you live it once and you're like, I'm exhausted. Don't want to do that again. <laughs> but then there's only 24 hours in the day. There is only 24 hours a day. And uh, I definitely wouldn't have the energy. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I've got way too much going on for that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I kind of, I like the comfort of knowing your partner and what you're getting as well. Like, I don't know. And find like still finding yeah. out new things about each other, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think the answer to the question is to thine own self be true. Mm. Yeah. If you can love two people, go for it. If it exhausts you and you want to go deeper with one, then that's your flavor. Yeah. There is no judgment here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we uh, move along to a question then? Let's go. Okay. My partner is terrible with money and it's creating a problem in our relationship. How do we fix it? (gasps) Oh my gosh. Well, it's not the best time of year to be thinking about (laughs) money issues, is it? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, now that is the truth. Yeah. So when I think about this question, it makes me think about when I was married and we're both quite easygoing people. So Mm. kind of it's a bit like anything goes kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but money money was the one thing that we'd oh. argue about 
So if there was ever a time, um, mm. you know, when you have like big, big things that come up in your, in your life, so big milestones, so whether it's moving house or which you always extend yourself as much mm. as possible or kids being born and mm. uh, suddenly there's a lot of expense or getting married again, kind of, you know, all expensive milestones in your life. Mm. And I think about those times and that's always I would argue was about mm. money. Mm. Never argued about anything else. Everything was quite easy going. Yeah. Um, that's not to say there wasn't artificial harmony in existence, right. which right. is equally as bad. But, um, but yeah, money is such a, it's such a tricky situation, isn't yeah. it? And especially if you've got different views about money. Yeah, different values. Yeah. And if yeah. you're both earning money as well, it's kind of like, so where do you stand there then? So uh-huh. I've got, if I've got my money and you've got your money, then, mm. you know, we don't know the full ins and outs of this situation. But, you know, is it independent money? Is it joint like money? I mean, we've talked about money before on the podcast and it can, you know, everyone has personal views about how things right. should be. Yeah. And I think we've all got our own money story as well. So right. what I'm hearing in this is, so my partner's terrible with money. Okay, well, where does, mm. what what does terrible mean? And what mm. is that triggering within you? Mm-hmm. Is it, do you feel like they're being careless and you're, you don't feel like you are and therefore it's not level? Like, yeah. This came up with a cl- with clients recently where that was the narrative of the one partner is like, you're terrible with money. Yeah. Now, the question was, is, is, is your partner like gambling away the kid's education fund or are they buying the next trendy thing that is expensive, has got a price tag, but you could, you can actually afford it, but you find it wasteful. And the, and the, mm. the big thing that I saw coming up here is the one partner who said like, you're bad with money actually has a, their value is being very frugal and, and be very yeah. cautious with money and not making over, over expenditures. And so when they saw their partner just like kind of going haywire on things that <laughs> would come into the home and then just collect dust. And we all know yeah. what those things are. Things like big exercise, like the Peloton. I, I don't know. I can't imagine spending $2,500 on a Peloton, but like it is collecting dust for some folks yeah. in their households. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to mention the treadmill right now. <laughs> yes, right, right. Has yes. that a weekly outing right now? I think that's as close oh. as we get, or maybe once a fortnight. <laughs> okay, all right, okay. <laughs> I'm still trying. Um, yeah, yeah. What, you made, what you reminded me of there is um, when I was married and my husband came back from doing the food shop mm. and he had about five or six of these different exotic fruits. <gasps> What? Now, all I, this is going to sound really bizarre, but all I could, he got them out and he was dead excited with himself and and they were like weird looking things as well, like right. really weird. Yeah. And I mean, you're talking probably 10 years ago. Yeah. So there wasn't the same, uh, you know, you still got kind of a good variety of food, but yeah. this was kind of, this was new. Yeah. It was exciting. Yeah. And, um, and he was super chuffed with himself that he'd oh. come in. And my first thought was, why have you spent all of that money <laughs> on something that is ridiculous and we don't need? <laughs> and inside I was seething, oh. seething. Mm. And I had to try and kind of 
just then kind of be quite open to the idea that he brought these things mm. in um, and and try not to think about the fact that he probably just spent, I don't know, a quarter of the food budget <gasps> on something that we didn't need oh um, and we weren't going to be able to make a meal out of, let's oh, face it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting, isn't yeah. it, how we get triggered in different ways and just right. as you were explaining there, it reminded me of that story wow. and how cross I was that he'd spent all this money on something we didn't need. Oh my gosh. Now, you guys were young, but can you think back to the time when you were dating or when, when that sort of, when you saw each other as, like, where you actually chose that? Was there ever a time early on where he was like, oh, Sarah's really responsible. I really like that about her. She, she's going to keep me in the straight and narrow. And you might have been like, he challenges me to sort of live life for today and take spontaneous... No, I think if anything, we're maybe the opposite way around. Oh. <laughs> so um, I remember when I when we first met, I wasn't training to be an accountant. I'm training accountant mm. years ago. Mm. Um, and then I started doing my studying and then kind of a few years, maybe I think it was after we got married. I have quite a... Um, I have a need for like financial security. Mm. But if I've got money, then I'm kind of like, I'm all right. It's mm. I can but I can be super frugal when I need to be. Mm. So if there's something that we're focused on and we're doing it and we're mm. saving for something, like say if we're saving for a deposit or a um, or a big holiday or something for the kids, then I am on it, mm. like nobody's business. And I'll, I'll kind of, I'll think about different creative ways to try and save money to mm. um but then if I don't need to be if I don't need to be like that and I've got money coming in I'm kind of like quite relaxed about it mm. so he would always say once I qualified as an accountant he would say for an accountant you're shit with money <laughs> I was like and I remember him saying that and I was I was horrified oh. um but it is you know I think we just we can have a different approaches to money at different mm. points I think in mm -hmm. life and at, depending on what the needs are and what's happening mm -hmm. but I do agree that there is a kind of a bit of a money story that goes on mm. inside all of us and that for me is that kind of I can be super frugal when I have mm. to be if I know that I'm saving for something and there's a reason I am I'm all there wow and I think that goes back to my kind of money story yeah yeah mm. oh yeah this is huge <laughs> yeah so I think when it's really clear, it's completely clear that a lot of the time, unless, you know, your partner is gambling mm. your savings away, that is, that yes. is a problem. That is, that is a measurable issue. So I think a couple of things are like, is terrible with money. So is, is basic food on the table, relatively nice experiences that both of you agreed upon, uh, mm. education, uh, basic things came conveyances, vehicle budget items. Are any of those in risk because of your partner's perceived behaviors? And if so, that's another conversation. But if mm. not, then really what we're seeing is it's all perspective. It's all perspective on what is valuable and what is worthless. What yeah. is a smart expenditure? What is a needed expenditure? And two people will vastly differ vastly on those yeah and it comes up quite quite a lot you know you can get situations where I've seen it with with clients as well where an approach to say a meal out mm. so on one hand one party might think well no we shouldn't it's an extravagance um therefore um you know we shouldn't be spending any money on a, on a night out 
another, you know, the other partner may be thinking, well, no, this is something that's really important to me. I think it's worth spending the money. And you can have real different views, can't you? Some people might say about money, well, you know, I wouldn't want to go on holiday every single year. I'd rather save up for mm. five years and get the the best holiday that I can get. Whereas, you know, another partner might say, well, no, I'd prefer to have that experience and go somewhere cheap yeah. and cheerful and enjoy it. And I think this is the crux of this question, isn't it? Is, well, there's two things. So one, it's creating a problem in the relationship. Mm. I'd be questioning, well, what is that problem? How is it manifesting? What mm. sort of things are then happening? Because often you can have kind of, the arguments then start because you're not seeing eye to eye on on where the situation is mm. but the first bit around my partner's terrible with money well, like you say well what does that actually mean mm. what is it you're expecting to happen that isn't mm. and generally when we've got arguments it's because we've got an expectation that something's going to happen that isn't mm. and we don't see eye to eye we're not aligned on that mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the you know it's it's funny that bringing that that debate. What another? Some folks will say, "I want to save all the money yeah. and buy that big ring or that big cake for the wedding," yeah. and others are like, "I don't want a big cake or a big wedding. I just want yeah. an experience. I want to be able to go and yeah. uh, go to the Galapagos and see the turtles, turtles yeah. or tortoises, turtles, um, turtles." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that and that's a clash. And then there's lots of labeling. Well, you yeah. you know, your choices are stupid. <laughs> or <laughs> That sounds like a ridiculous expenditure. Why would you spend so much money on a cake? But it like that, you're right, it, it comes down to like, what's important to each of us? And it's going to be yeah. different. It's gonna be really yeah. different for each of us. Yeah. And it's, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to money, I think like, I know I have a big issue with food waste. Mm. I can't I can't st- I can't abide by it right yeah so that whole thing about the exotic fruits like that's yeah. just a waste to me yeah. if um you know if we're not planning food properly so that we're not we're buy- we're just buying things that we don't need like mm-hmm. I have a real issue with it mm-hmm. but somebody else might say well no actually I just want the convenience I just mm. Or I want variety, so I don't mm. want to think about planning my meals. I want to wake up and say, "What do I fancy today?" and then go out and get, you know, and then go out and get it. And then I might fancy two things, so I can't make my mm. mind up. And then something goes to waste. Like so, it's it is all about trying to understand where your partner's coming from. Mm. And I guess that goes back to the first bit, the relationship news around the emotional generosity. Mm. So if I wasn't thinking about what I needed right now. And if I thought, well, what else is going on? Mm. What is it that's happening for my partner? And, you know, it could be in this situation, maybe they've just got a pay rise and they've never had that much money before. Mm. And they didn't, you know, they've started to splash out on a few things that they've spent years wanting and have never been able to reward themselves with. Mm. Maybe there's something like that going on. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. So when you Mm. face a couple like this, when you've got a couple sat in front of you what is your approach yeah so it is about that definition so it is about uncovering some of the things that might have happened in the past that then have led to the money story or the money philosophies that you Mm -hmm. have in life or the beliefs that you've that you hold true to you and it's then trying to understand that from both perspectives so Mm -hmm. where is it that we're both coming from what is it that we're both really mean and I'd really look at this expectation. What is it you're expecting to happen that isn't? Mm. Um, you know, I had a classic conversation with my son, not necessarily about money, but about something um, to do with his dad. And, and I said, what, what is it that you expected dad to do then? 
Because it's, you know, when we're upset about something, it's because we're not getting what we wanted. Yeah. And as soon as you can understand that, you yeah. can then start to say, well, you know, did you think that dad maybe meant this when he did that? Oh. And it's the same, you know, in any of these situations where you've got a couple that's set in front of you and they're not quite seeing eye to eye. Mm-hmm. Really, let's look at what what did you expect your partner to do? Mm. Mm. And not in a judgment or a confrontational way. It's just merely information gathering. Mm-hmm. What's nice also with a couple is for for both of you to uncover, for you to uncover that both of you feel like the other person is doing something that's stupid, unnecessary, yeah. uh, not important, not meaningful. And so when you yeah. can hear in the, in, you know, with a coach as sort of the, the third leg of that stool to balance yeah. sort of the energy out, if you can hear yourself, if you, if you can start to see the similarities in the discrepancy of the thinking and the values that yeah. you really are individuals, you've assumed that what is important to me is important to my partner. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's a critical mistake but, that all of us make. Absolutely. And I think in this situation, both parties feel aggrieved. Yeah. Oh, of course is, they do. Is what's happening. Yes. So I feel like I'm being badly done to, but you yeah. also feel like yes. you're being badly done to for very different reasons. Yeah. And it's about yeah. getting to the to the bottom of that. Yeah. The the other thing that I think is really interesting in situations like this when you start to have the conversation is often when we say some of the thoughts out loud, mm. the penny kind of drops a bit, yeah. doesn't it? So yeah. I was working with a client last week, we were having a conversation and at the end of the session I said, So, you know, what is it that you that you take away from the discussion then? And um and it was just actually hearing myself say these things out loud. Mm. It's no wonder I'm in such a pickle. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's power yeah. in just having the conversation, I think. Awareness. Yeah. yeah. Particularly when it comes to things like finances. Yeah. I mean, it would be great if money didn't make the world go around, but it yeah. seems to. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so unfortunately it is something that we've created in society that we mm-hmm. are now, um, we're, we're kind of stuck with. We're stuck with it as a system of, of how we do things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does cause a lot of challenges because we believe we should have a certain amount of money or we haven't got enough money. And mm-hmm. and I think especially the times that we're in now, there's a real kind of, there's a real crunch on people. There's mm. um, You hear a lot about um, food banks mm. being the worst that they've ever been in terms of level mm-hmm. of requirement for them mm-hmm. um, because people are generally struggling. And yeah. it does create this pressure because it's almost like it's something that you feel like you can't you can't create or you can't get yourself out, this, out of the situation. You're kind of... It's often a case, I think, with finances where you do feel like a lot of it's happening outside mm. of your control. Yeah, absolutely. Which creates this layer of pressure. Yeah, yeah. And then especially if we're dealing with another partner, we're dealing with another human being who's got their own views about things. Yeah. And when they're different from ours, then um, it does cause this challenge. Yeah, it's true. It really does. It's true. One of the things that I had was a suggestion it's pending it's sort of a more recent work that i'm doing with um with a couple is one person has a microscopic view on the other person's expenditures because you know every single thing that comes in the door every amazon order everything is like Mm. why did you do that you know you're not allowed to do that you're you made that purchase next you know last month so you're only allowed to make a purchase like two months from now so 
you know, the true fact of it is this, per- these, this couple is actually not struggling for like these expenses yeah. are not cutting into like essential services yeah. or whatever. So one thing that I encourage them to try doing is why don't we give the person who is quote unquote bad with money? Why don't you, why don't you guys agree on an allowance? And the allowance means and it's their own money, by the way. Yes. It, this is a situation where both of us, <laughs> both of them have our earnings, but where the one person who has this real um, quality situation where they they fear money going to waste, where they can just be assured, okay, so my partner is on this budget and I don't have to sort of micromanage or look closely at what they're spending. And they've agreed that they're they're going to make useless expenditures in my mind, but only at the tune of this amount of money a year or this amount of money every six mm. months. So so long as they're staying in their budget. I am going to stop paying so much attention and all the boxes that come in and all the things that collect dust and whatever, you know, it is what it is, but I'm not going to keep, you know, I'm not going to keep them on a short leash. I'm not going to police their expenditures. I'm going to be able to just myself just take a back seat and not deal with all the emotions of, of them continuing to do this behavior. We're just going to put them on a budget. See, Cynthia, I think I would rebel in that situation. Ah. Ah. So you're kind of talking like if you've got two people that are working and you're both contributing, mm. how I like I mean, we've talked about financial independence yeah. before. Like how I spend my money, I don't think it should have anything to do with anybody else. As yeah. long as I'm contributing to the joint expenses, yeah. if if you're living together, then that shouldn't be anybody else's concern. Like Yeah. But it does depend on how you have formed your relationship and right some of those financial rules that you've put in place and that you I guess have lived by and abided by um and everybody's different in if you talk if we got 10 people in a room that all manage the money as a couple slightly differently yeah and I think maybe that's it the thing is is a lot of couples don't delineate the important budget Mm. items so When somebody is spending, they're like, oh, that's cutting into our budget. Well, we don't, we've not even made a budget. So let's yeah. sit and make a budget and truly let's figure out what is the discretionary stuff. Because if your, your partner is spending like some bucket of money that you think is going to go to a vacation, but you've never even talked about it in your mind, it yes. was going to be something, a shared expense. Put it on paper, put it on an Excel spreadsheet and actually agree on it. So, and then yeah. you figure out what is my pocket of money that nobody else can tell me what yeah. to yeah and it it comes back to that expectation right so I've got an expectation it's not happening but as you say I've never really voiced that expectation which happens a lot not just with finances in relationships I've got an expectation about how things will be right so yeah I guess um it's supercharged (laughs) it's supercharged (laughs) because it's it's money like money shouldn't be this important but we know know that it is yeah yeah but the thing is, look, I think money here, the, 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 it's a stand-in for how do you spend your resources and what's important. Mm. Because even if we were like thousands of, it, like we've had barter systems, like we have finite resources on the planet. So we've all sort of come up with some imperfect system to be able to sort of trade resources. Yeah. And there's always a finite amount. So how as a couple do we prioritize? Yeah. And that extends way beyond money, right? Oh, and that time, we money and time. start a whole new podcast right now. Money and time, <laughs> yep. <laughs> money and time. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Mm. Well, hopefully well. A, little, a little starting point, which yeah. at least, you know, scratches under the surface here. Yeah, yeah. Start with what, what you're expecting, 
what you yeah. think should be happening that isn't. Yes. Um, start with some of those discussions. And um, True that. Use some emotional generosity in the process. Ah, nice loop back. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well. All right, everyone. Another week, another podcast. Another week, another podcast. We're almost at the end of the year. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, till next time. Till next time. So that's it for another week of Geordie Lass and Doc Sass. We hope you've enjoyed listening as much as we've enjoyed chatting. Get in touch and share your questions for relationship remedies and any hot topics you want us to cover. If you need help navigating all things relationships, Anna and Sarah are available for one-on-one coaching support. Email info at geordielass.com. Please remember to like, share, subscribe if you've enjoyed listening. And if you've not, how on earth have you made it this far? I promise we'll try harder next time.